Welcome, everyone, to the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Here on the show, we bring you interviews with business owners, executives, and key players operating in and around the Ottawa, Ontario, Canada region. We grab their insights on business, marketing, leadership, and motivation. We hope you'll tune in. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show, we have author Mark Sagan. Mark is the author of the book Advocacy in Aging. And in this interview, Mark's going to touch on a little bit about what the book is about, give us a little bit uh, of an insight into it. As well, though, Mark is going to bring us on a bit of a journey here, uh, taking us uh, from the idea of the book all the way through the individual steps that he took uh, in making the book a success and and completing it. So if you're someone out there that's listening to this, uh, that is interested in maybe putting a book together, or you've given it some thought, but you're not really sure how to go about it, this is definitely the interview you don't want to miss. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Pagioni. Joining me today on the show, we have a very special guest for the audience. And we have a bit of a first time here on the Ottawa Business Podcast. We have an author joining us today, a local author here to the Ottawa region. We have Mark Seguin, author of Advocacy in Aging. Mark, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you for making a first of having an author. And maybe there will be many more to come. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, definitely. Mark, we always start off with all of our guests with a little bit of our guests' background. Tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I guess we'll start from the early days, and uh, we try not to make it so long, but uh, um, I was born and grew up in Montreal uh, with a French-Canadian family and pretty much have a a classic upbringing, went to school and eventually went to university. Um, university is when I actually branched out a little bit of the, the normal pattern, I guess, of my historical family. Apparently, uh, my all my ancestors are, are all still in Montreal, but I uh, branched out and uh, I went to study in English first at McGill in Montreal, and eventually I studied outside of the province for graduate studies. And um, I made the transition, I shouldn't say the transition, but I, I immerse in the English language and uh, world uh, through my university years. So, uh, and that's why today I, uh, I consider myself fully bilingual. In fact, some people uh, don't know whether I'm French or English. Uh, I don't feel I'm a master of either, but uh, it's, uh, it's a wonderful richness to be able to speak uh, multiple language and operate in multiple languages. And then, um, uh, after that, I uh, went on to uh, a career that probably had nothing to do with uh, my book or writing. Uh, my uh, my love uh, in early days was much mostly in the science. Uh, I was a mathematician and computer scientist, and most of my career was in technology. Okay. Okay. And your your early days technology, is that correct? 
Yeah. So uh, I spent, I mean, most of my career, it was, uh, I spent uh, over 30 years in technology and telecommunications. I would qualify, uh, I had a wonderful career where I spent most of my time in the commercialization of innovation. And I had the good fortune of, of having a unique career with Nortel. Some people on, will remember okay. who Nortel is and, <laughs> and have a different perception of it. Uh, I could say it was a wonderful career. Uh, I had probably a unique career in Nortel because of the variety of things I did. And also because um, in hindsight, I was an entrepreneur and I had the opportunity to, re- to build three distinct businesses. And through my career also, I had the opportunity to work in roles from from R&D right to sales. I worked probably in all divisions, all major divisions of Nortel, and um, also in various geography, including a three-year uh, assignment as an expat in uh, Europe, more specifically in France. But that was about, uh, I would say, two-thirds of my career. The last... Uh, 15 or so years I spent, again, still mostly in innovation and um, either on contract uh, or in a consulting role with uh, startups and entrepreneurs, typically, again, taking new innovation and new products to market. I spent quite a bit of time in various SaaS business, software as a service. Uh, But there's a pattern through my life that I was always at the outset of building a new business and building seems to be a theme around me, including some of my hobbies. Uh, I'm known to like to uh, renovate and, and build things. Awesome. Awesome. Very nice. I would imagine the perception of those uh, listening to this, especially in the Ottawa area about Nortel might be tied to when they sold their stock, but I digress on that. Well, well, I always hesitate because (laughs) there's so many perception around Nortel and so on. And and even even in my life transition, my career transition, uh, especially in Ottawa, because a lot of Ottawa people are are mostly in the R&D and and spend most of the career there. My career was significantly different than uh, than I guess the average. Ottawa Nortel person, so okay. uh, it's always a challenge when you bring up uh, Nortel. But uh, all I could say, uh, I had a wonderful career. I pro- I learned best in class in many aspects of uh, not only the technology, business practices, business cultures, and so on. So uh, I have only good to say, and I don't focus on uh, the unfortunate outcome of the company and. Uh, you know, some of the more difficult times and yeah, the stock price for some, but, uh, overall, I, I look at that as a positive, uh, positive foundation in, uh, in, in my life and, uh, only look positive. And in fact, uh, we'll talk a little bit later. Uh, I learned a whole lot about what a product is and how I bring a product to bear to the market. And, and we'll talk a little bit because the book ends up being a product and, and it's not right. Just, right. Uh, you know, words on a page and, and yeah. we'll talk about how I, I was able to pay, put that experience to work when I uh, yeah. pulled together the book. So, so you have this career and then an idea for the, for, for a book comes about, how does, tell us that story, Mark, how does that come about? Well, let's, let's split out that question into two. So the first part is 
where did the interest in the topic come about? So the whole topic about planning for the aging years or planning for what I now call the living years or living aging years, uh, because the book is focused on the reality that uh, we're going to live longer and through that uh, lifespan, we are going to have to live through some transitions and you have to plan on many aspects of those transition in that reality. So the interest uh, really emerged um, as uh, I lived through the experience of my in-laws and my parents, but let's start with my in-laws. And, and my father-in-law in particular had been uh, really passionate about the whole uh the whole domain of estate planning. And he, after he retired, he read a whole lot. He would chat to us, a, I, would, I wouldn't say a lot, but substantially enough about it. And he would read a lot of books. And, and certainly he put a lot of, or some thoughts in his own planning. Well, the reality is that, and in hindsight, uh, we discovered that he had never thought of losing his mind. And we witnessed that, as his mental abilities uh, decreased, uh, he started taking actions to simplify his, his own uh, estate and financial plans and so on, okay. and possibly making some mistakes. And that whole concept really uh, was eye-opening for me and probably a big trigger to say, how do you plan for the unknown? How do you plan for the situation where... Uh, you start losing your mind and while trying to keep control or trying to not involve your children, which was a bit of the, uh, the, the typical culture of the prior generation. So how do you avoid that? And so I started thinking about my own planning. Uh, I got involved in my parents' planning. And uh, from there, uh, I started sharing these experiences, sharing my thoughts, starting putting actions in my own plan. And uh, over time, I started building this framework. And interestingly enough, as we discussed this in our personal social network, uh, people started being interested in what I had to say. And okay. I jokingly say, no one ever listened to me. All of a sudden, people <laughs> were listening. And so I figured that there was an interest there. And uh, eventually, it culminated into, uh, uh, you know, me starting to take action on my own plan. And through that process, I also started okay. learning new things and putting together pieces of the puzzle uh, yeah. where people were asking me for to share with them. So that's kind of where the interest emerged. And I would say that that was over a period of, of eight to 10 years. And, you know, even some people started asking me to help them and so on. Now, to the second part of your question is, where did the interest or the idea of a book come? And yeah. very simple, um, on my 60th birthday, yes, I am over 60 now, um, <laughs> I, was, I, I was given a book. And, and that book, which I, I'm happy to share the title, it's Willing Wisdom by Tom Deans. Um, I read within the next week or two. And that book is about... Uh, more, you know, discussions around your will and your estate and how to have yearly family discussions. And I said to myself, well, first of all, I really enjoyed the book. Secondly, it was easy to read, uh, very quick to read, and it was very relevant. And in my mind, I said, wow, if 
if Tom could write about this in this way, uh, maybe I could write about what I've been doing about the living year. He's focused on the transition to uh, after the living year. I'm focused on the living years. And, and um, that's kind of where the thought of a book started uh, evolving. There were probably two triggers that put me on the track. One okay. was... One was actual discussion with Tom Deans uh, because when I tr tried to order the book for my children, uh, there was a bit of an issue with the website or I wasn't sure if the order made it through. I ended up phoning uh, the 1-800 number and it was Tom that answered and wow. kind of asked him, I, I kind of asked him what he thought of or what did it take to write a book because he seemed to have a similar context as mine, not necessarily a spend his, his life in the topic or writing. So he, he gave me some encouragement and a few ideas. And then there was another opportunity where uh, uh, Brent Vandermeer, which is actually uh, quoted in, uh, on my website in, in, uh, in the book, who uh, runs a wealth management uh, organization. And uh, we had a chat and he liked a lot of what I had to say. And he, uh, gave me an opportunity to do a lunch and learn in his, with his team and his organization. And that forced me to really structure and crystallize uh, the concepts that I had been thinking. And, okay. um, and uh, you know, all of this coming together, there's a few other events, but basically I kind of said, well, you know, it's a bit of a, I, I mentioned earlier, I'm a bit of a builder and, or there's a pattern in my, my life, uh, both career and personal. I said, well, I guess I could do this. And I said, well, I've been thinking about it. Why not? And I, okay. We never look back after. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's incredible. Now, when you say, you know, you're going to take on the project, how much of the book would you say you had written up to that point? Oh, I had, I had, well, I'm going to go back and uh, specifically February, um, February 2000 is probably when I decided to write the book. And at that moment in time, there was no content written. And in fact, I met Tom Deans uh, one more time. I was actually going on a trip out West. Okay. Is and it February 2020? When, 2020. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure what I said. I may have had the date wrong, but yeah. It's okay. um, yes. February 2020 and I met Tom uh, just for uh, 45 minutes to 60 minutes just to kind of go over again his experience in writing a book and, and get a feel of what the undertaking meant. And I walked out of there and I said, well, I have no reason not to do this. So that's probably yeah. the moment where it was decided to do it. And one of Tom's advice was a page a day. And fundamentally, I started writing a page every day from April 1st. So the, wow, the actual starting writing of the content was uh, April 1st, uh, 2020, which was the early days of the pandemic or depending on <laughs> if you really go when it started, it was probably uh, a few months after the real pandemic started. Okay. And in, in terms of your, your writing then, Mark, you're, you're writing a page a day. Did you have sort of the outline all done up and, you know, sort of have all of those thoughts organized or how did, how did you go about that? Um, very good question. Uh, 
by that time, I had a bit of a structure of okay. the kind of areas that I was going to address. And if you look at the book today, there's the framework has three pillars, uh, yeah. or actually has five pillars, and three pillars are, are very much certain topics, and the last two pillars talk about transition. And those elements were already in my mind, probably not as five pillars. I think I started with seven at that time. And so that was kind of some of the structure that was already at least in my mind. And then I had a lot of stories uh, that were relevant to bring to the table. Okay. And I knew from the start that the book was going to be a, a storytelling book uh, in its in its approach. Uh, I was very much inspired by, uh, you know, another well-known book uh, called The Wealthy Barber, uh, right. which, yeah. as we know, it's, it's, it's the barber <laughs> telling a story, is how the book is written. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I very much viewed my book to be a, kind of an easy read, like The Wealthy Barber, like Will, uh, Willing Wisdom. And, and by no surprise, the book has similar formats similar uh, number of page and so on. And, uh, you know, in many ways, I thought that my book would, you know, was kind of the equivalent of Wealthy Barber for your second half of your life. So okay. kind of, I had, a, I had a vision, I had a bit of structure in the pillars, and I had a lot of stories. The question is, how do you bring it all together? So um, I started writing and, and, you know, really from the stories. I was telling the stories and eventually I was trying to piece piece into that the uh, the various concepts that needed to be uh, come to life uh, to eventually form the framework. W would you say, uh, Mark, that The Wealthy Barber is an ideal book for those, the earlier stages of life, and then yours sort of fits and dovetails into the sort of the ending part of your, not the ending part of your life, but the ending part of your, your planning process? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, okay. I, uh, uh, you know, I, I view, you know, call it the first half of your life, the second half of your life, or the net worth accumulation and the deaccumulation of your net worth, call it whichever, but really it's very much in line with that. I mean, the wealthy barber, uh, really, uh, provides, you know, some very practical and good advice to how to build your net worth in disciplined fashion. Uh, I tried to bring, uh, you know, a, a lot of planning and some discipline for the unplanned events of your life and also structuring and re and, and how to put to work that net worth that you accumulated. And, and some of that net worth, you may never, you know, will become legacy. You may never need in your lifetime. So how mm -hmm. do you look at that? So mm -hmm. those are all elements that have a bit of a parallel to, uh, to the wealthy barber in that respect. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Or a continuation, if you want to say it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So you're writing, take us through this because I've never, I've never written a, a book and I think most in the audience haven't take, take us through the rest of it. Then, then Mark, you're writing a page a day. You're writing a page a day and eventually you kind of, putting it all together and you end up with a draft manuscript. Okay. And, and you, you know, it doesn't have, and, and that's part of also the advice that had been given is don't try to make it good or perfect. 
Okay. And especially me, I mean, I said it earlier. I mean, I, at my root, I'm much more of a mathematician than, than a writer. In fact, writing was, uh, was certainly not, uh, uh, one of my top interests or skills. Yeah. Uh, my, my, would you say you're a perfectionist and... being, a, being a mathematician? I'm not, I, I guess I'm not <laughs> you sure. Want to be right. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I equate uh, being a mathematician as a perfectionist, but I do have uh, some of that trait, those traits of my personality. Uh, but structure is certainly something that comes to mind in yeah. when I think of myself as a mathematician. Um, and yes, I was evolving the structure, but I'm going to be honest. I, the structure uh, did not come together in the first manuscript, even though I'd been working towards bringing all the logical pieces and the story together in, in something that, that fit well together. Okay. Um, the next step was to get to a draft manuscript. And, you know, if I had advice to anybody is don't try to make it perfect because uh, your editor is going to help you. Um, the, then I, I hired an editor. I found and hired an editor, an editor that, uh, was compatible not only with the topic, but also that I could get along with. And, okay. and uh, I was very fortunate uh, to find Donna, and and we worked really well together. And it was, okay. uh, so, so, so the first hurdle was interesting because normally you'd give the manuscript and, sh and the editor would come back and tell you, uh, here's how, what I'm going to do with, with your book. And, uh, you know, a bit of the style of writing and so on and, and, and types of improvements or correction that, that would be done. Well, Donna came back with some very explicit feedback and, uh, which I am so thankful for today, uh, because it was a big turning point. Uh, basically, uh, she pretty much said, it's not yet ready for me to take to the next stage. And we walked through some of the feedback. And it was uh, it was welcome. Some people don't like feedback, but uh, I uh, I welcomed it because she she basically came as a third party looking at what I had produced and was basically pointing to the things that didn't fit as well or as logically uh, as I would hope. And basically, the next three weeks, three to four weeks. I'm, I'm not, it felt like more than that, but probably less. I actually didn't write new content. I just reorganized the content or, and I spent a lot of time just thinking about it, to be honest with you. And one day I just okay. started reorganizing and, and basically it was a copy and paste uh, exercise. Yeah. Um, and fortunately enough, when I gave the next version of the manuscript, Donna actually didn't say anything. She just said, we're ready to go. Wow. And a few Excellent. weeks later, and a few weeks later, uh, something beautiful came out of it. Very nice. So Very that's nice. kind so, of uh, the next milestone. Okay. The next key, okay. you know, milestone that that occurred. Finalize that that manuscript. Yep. Okay. What comes What comes next? Because you're not finished, right? Is that it, or? <laughs> No, there's a few more steps, and uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll pause so that if you have any questions or or really trigger, I want to find out more. Uh, the next step was a review process, and just like you know, I'm going to go back. Just like a, a building a product or a service, you should test your product and service uh, okay. with 
sample audience. I was very fortunate enough to identify half a dozen people that I that had a, vi- a variety of traits. So ex- okay. different expertise, different style, different personality. Yeah, and and I and they were willing to read the whole manuscript. <laughs> you know, they need to have time, and it's work to read someone else's manuscript. And so I, I identified six people that did a an amazing job at again taking it to the next level uh, okay. and in fine tuning certain little areas, uh, reacting to certain certain stories and so on. And and I I really think that that brought the the necessary refinement and polish to the book. I also had in the process um, probably another uh, six to ten people that had to read it because the story involved them or their family. And so that gave me a lot of also valuable feedback. So overall, I had those people not did not necessarily read the whole book, but the book was covered uh, close to a dozen times by various people and uh, either major, small, big, you know, style type of refinement came through mm-hmm. that. Uh, but overall, I, uh, we got to the point that I thought I had a final manuscript and a book ready to publish. Okay. Okay. Excellent. And of course, that process where you're asking for the input coming back about the book your hands are kind of tied, I guess, from a time standpoint, because you're waiting on everyone else to obviously read it and provide the feedback. And so that can take some time too. Yeah, that took about, and there's a, there's a second phase I'm going to talk about shortly. Uh, but that took about, I'm going to say a month, slightly okay. over a month. Uh, I was very, very fortunate that I had willing participants. Yeah. 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 That's great. That's great. So now, so now you get the feedback from them. Yes. What's, what's the next step? <laughs> well, there's, there's two things that have happened. And, um, I, the next step, and this is a classic of pulling together the book is the layout. So once your manuscript is more or less finished, you actually have to go uh, through a layout phase and there's the inside layout. And then y'all, then in parallel, you have to start thinking of, and finalizing the title and a tagline and what you want on content on the cover or book cover. And then eventually oh, you need to get the book put to the book cover design. So there's, you know, in, if I break it down in a simple way, there's, there's the editing of the book, which is the content. There's the layout of the inside and there's the, probably the layout of the outside or the look and feel of the outside. And all okay. of those are, are important. So, and you can't do them all. Uh, you'd like to do them well, I, because of time. I wanted to de- get them done in parallel, but uh, I ended up pretty much doing one after the other. Uh, okay. While I started the, the layout, I also I had planned. I had two more reviewers that I want to read the book. You know, okay. I kind of here's a final review. I think I'm done. What do you think? Okay. And this was about at Christmas time, and because the person I had asked was very busy and said I'd read it over Christmas uh, holidays, and on early January I got a message that basically says this is really really good, this is unique, and all the good stuff, 
but <laughs> and there was a okay. but there and it was something okay. and there was something missing uh and these people were people uh, that represented more industry people in the industry that could use the book and they were coming okay. at it from their context as opposed to being a reader they, they of course they came at it as a reader but also as, is this yes. something i would promote within my industry or my book and there right. was a missing piece and that missing piece uh turns out to be the cherry on the cake as far as i'm concerned uh, or okay. the icing on the cake, I guess, is the, uh, the yeah. I think it was I icing see. and the cherry. <laughs> yeah. And the, uh, the, uh, it ended up that I, um, a few things. It, it ended up being the conclusion chapter where I talk about teams and how do you build a team. It okay. certainly helped uh, evolve and eventually finalize the title to it to what the title is today, which is talking about advocacy and the subtitle talks about building your team. So a team and advocacy within the team are all concepts uh, that came out of that last phase. So I had a framework I was, and the person basically says, you're talking about all the people involved here, but you're, you never, you never highlight them as, as what's becoming important, uh, not only what you do, it's with whom you do it and how you do it with these, these people. And, and so it was really okay. bring it all together. So that's a little bit of how the journey went. And, uh, you know, I can go through a lot of details, but the, uh, uh, after, once I finished that chapter, there was a bit of editing, fine tuning, but fundamentally it was, let's finish the layout. Uh, yeah. we had a bit of a challenge in the book cover, um, uh, in the sense that I had to uh, to go through a few phases, and yes, I did change uh, designer along the way, uh, just just because at the end I I wanted it had something that when I looked at the cover first I felt proud of, but I had to feel that it was consistent with what I was trying to do. It had to be refreshing. It had to be feel easy. It had to be positive. You know, okay. we're dealing with a subject that, that, you know, is, is not necessarily <laughs> welcome. A lot, no one wants to talk about dying or being ill in your aging years <laughs> about decreasing capabilities and all this. So yeah, it couldn't, it had to be something I was bringing something that the plan was going to relieve all that, uh, you know, negative thought and bring some very positive and, and, relieve all the pressure knowing that, you know, you, you are organized, you are, you know, where you're going in the future and, and those unplanned circumstances, uh, will be taken care of. So it's, it's about delivering peace of mind. So the, the, the book cover needed to have that flavor and, and it, it took a long, a long time and some creative juice to get there, but we did get to that. And, and, uh, and that was good. So that's, that's a bit of the journey in the process. Wow. Well, uh, I, I, I just got to ask this. At what point did you get, and, ha and how was the process actually of finding a publisher? Did you actually, I should have I actually asked, did you get a publisher? Well, the answer is I did not find a publisher, but I okay. found someone that guided me towards self-publishing. And that's pretty much, you know, the early days with Tom Deans and then talking to a few people. So, uh, you know, in, in all honesty, 
the process I went through of finding an editor and a layout person and a book cover is, is a lot of what an editor, a publisher, I would think, or some publisher would bring you up in the, in the front end. Okay? okay. And then in the kind of the transition, they will bring you the printing and some of the early marketing. And, and then in, you know, uh, and after that, some of the promotional aspects. So I kind of, uh, through some of the guidance I received early, I was, kind of did the old, you know, the process, random process myself in the front end. Uh, the actual printing is is a lot simpler than anyone would think. Uh, probably the yeah. simplest for me in the process where you, once you got your book cover and your lay your content in the layout, you just fundamentally give two PDF files to a printer and uh, a few weeks later you get pieces of books shipped to your place. <laughs> so, uh, okay. Okay. so that's kind of how it works. Awesome. Oh, awesome. I should mention then, then because I'm self-published, then we had to go through the phase of creating a website, uh, which okay, yes, yeah. where 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 again, where I needed to have the content laid out and portrayed in a way uh, that would bring uh, you know the value of of the book, uh, the intent of the messaging, and so on, and that was a process and. And there was also the technical side of having the commercial side so that you uh, you could take the orders uh, on the website. And, and that also had to be easy and seamless for uh, for the commercial phase of the product. Okay. Okay. So knowing, knowing what you know now, what it takes to put the entire book together, start to finish, would you write another book? <laughs> That's a... That's an interesting question. I certainly don't <laughs> anticipate writing another book. I never <laughs> anticipated writing one, let alone two. Uh, however, I'll never say no to uh, you know opportunities that may present themselves in life. Uh, and basically, I look at the process of writing the book as creating a book or creating a product. And, and should through my journey going forward, uh, new concepts or new ideas uh, emerge and, and possibly uh, the opportunity or, or the desire to write another book uh, emerge. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say no, but it's yeah. certainly not uh, nowhere in sight right now or nor goal <laughs> at this moment in time. Yeah. Uh, honestly, my goal is, you know, it's a bit of a mission here is, is to get, uh, get the message out or get visibility to this planning framework, but more so the need uh, for society to transition and openly talk about death, openly talk about the distinct possibility of living long years with illness, degradation, and so on, and more so planning uh, for those living years and basically be able to have that big weight off your shoulder and enjoying life. I, I wish everyone quality of life, knowing that their affairs are organized. So, so to yeah. me, uh, the journey is just starting. Um, and the journey is, uh, you know, partly in the book and getting, selling the book and getting the message out there. But there's also in parallel uh, speaking engagement and opportunities to engage with the community uh, to pass on that, that wisdom. I, I, so I got to ask now that I'm sure the audience wants to know too, who would maybe even give us a quick overview of the book without giving the whole book away? 
Okay. Uh, basically, uh, as probably I've alluded a few times now, the book uh, deals with the reality that we're all going to live longer. And with that, we will have um, degradation in our lives, whether they're mental, physical, or other. And probably to a point where at one point we can operate fully independently and sometimes wholly dependent on, on others. So uh, how do you plan for those aging years? And so the book in, introduces, and it's planning not only from a financial perspective, but also so for a personal care perspective. So the book fundamentally introduces a framework of five pillars and one pillar deals with uh, the estate and financial aspect. The second pillar deals with the legal foundation and the communication of wishes. Uh, the third pillar deals with how to organize your affairs for easy transition. And, and the fourth pillar and fifth pillar deal with transition, one with transition of management of financial affairs and the other one with manages, management of your personal care. And clearly, those transitions are gradual um, Okay, uh, and with a lot of oversight along the way, and and surrounded by a team. The other thing the book then introduces the concept as as you do your planning, and over the years, the whole idea of openly communicating what your plan is and building yourself, um, basically a team of advocates around you, and there's this concept of multiple teams uh, around you that will be supported. Uh, of you uh, through the life transition and, and when need is help, uh, help is needed. Okay. So that's kind of an overview of the book. It's storytelling. Yeah. So throughout uh, there's, uh, uh, there's stories that, that will bring to life. So it's an easy read and, and behind that you, you get the feel for all of those areas that I talk about and it's, it's organized and, and as I said, in those pillars. Okay. Okay. If, if someone was writing a book today, what advice would you give them? Well, the first advice is uh, you need to have topic, content, or subject. Uh, first, that you're passionate about. Secondly, that's you know relevant to the world out there. That's unless you just want to pass the book on to you know, a few members of their family or your community. And, that, and that's, and that's fine. And there's nothing wrong, but should be passionate about, you should, you know, have an audience and an audience of interest and uh, try to make it unique. Right. Uh, along my path, everyone says, is your book unique? And over time uh, it was discovered that uh, the area I'm touching about is not unique. The way I brought everything together and the way I look at it, uh, from an overall planning perspective is unique and uh, where there's some, you know, there's lots of book written about financial aspects, lots of book about the legal aspects. There's lots of book about organizing, but how you bring it out together in the context was unique in my case. So, so I would say absolutely. And especially in today's world, uh, it's much easier to write a book. I couldn't imagine to do what I did uh, in the last two years, you know, 10 years ago, let alone, 25 yeah. years ago. So today yeah. it's possible. So I would encourage anyone, but you need to be passionate and have something that's relevant, uh, to, to say. If you could take and narrow it down to three things, Mark, that have had the biggest impact on your success in writing the book, what, what would you say those are? 
Uh, I'm going to speak about success to date because I'm pretty proud of, of the product. <laughs> Good there's for still, you. Uh, <laughs> there's still some ways to go before we call it a success, at least at least in the way that the New York Times would call it a success. But uh, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say uh, first, I think, is the team. So as I mentioned, I, 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 I'm thankful for my editor uh, equally for uh, the layout the website, the you know book cover, and so on, and all the people that participated in in, in those phases. I honestly, I'm you know I I'm at the root of the content of the concept and the idea, but the the final uh, the final result has a bit of everyone in there, and I, I forgot to mention the reviewers. Um, I think the reviewers probably a second, you know, I, maybe that's the the greater team. And the last thing I'm going to say is patience. Uh, I'm very fortunate that I don't necessarily have a timeline uh, to get anywhere with this book. And I think it allowed me to take my time through the process of creating the book. And I'm going to say that as I was working the book cover, uh, some people say, oh, I'd you're you're spending too much time on too many details. It doesn't really matter. And, and these are people in the industry that says that said that to me. And and in the end, I'm glad I did. Uh, and also now that I'm uh, you know taking the book to market, I'm taking my time and I'm learning. I'm I'm learning a whole lot of what resonates with certain people, how to pass on the message, uh, and so on. So uh, so patience, I at least uh, had a big impact in getting the product where it is and 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 even in terms of taking it to market i'm pleased that i'm taking my time and learning along the way proactively working that and uh, we'll see in three years how that pays off <laughs> well we wish you uh we wish you much uh, much success in that in that any any books mark that you would recommend uh to others i know you've mentioned uh, uh tom dean's book but yes and yeah, the wealthy in, barber, in, any in others? Book, yeah, in my book, there is a, uh, a further reading section. So oh, it's excellent. not a long list of books. And But I, I, yeah, clearly, we mentioned The Wealthy Barber by David Chilton, uh, Tom Dean's. Um, so the, uh, the, the, he's got two books, actually, is Willing Wisdom. The other one yeah. is more about family business, but they're both very practical. I, I both like them because they're all of the same flavor. One of the books that early on... Um, had an impact or inspired me is a book by Kate, Katie Butler, which is called The Art of Dying Well. As she goes in a lot of details in terms of the, the transitions uh, that you go through, especially as it as it goes, it talks about your personal health and you know taking it right to the uh, you know to the end of life uh, stage and okay. it breaks down in stages, probably in more details and more technical. Then you know many of the my the readers my book would like, but it was very useful, and I thought it was very well organized, and, and like I said, it inspired me. And there's another one, uh, and um, uh, Yvonne Heath has a book called uh, "Love Your Life to Death," and I've actually uh, done a few things with Yvonne since. And she, uh, well, first of all, she's so passionate about the topic of of quality of life and openly. Uh, discussing end of life and and basically 
uh, not hiding the whole subject of grieving and, and really promoting grieving earlier in the life and through the open open communication. So uh, those are kind of the books that talk come to mind when you you know when you ask me for a recommendation. Uh, but I keep reading more books that I enjoy, and, and certainly the list is longer in, in the in the reference and, uh, in the reference page of my book. Does Mark have a favorite movie or or series that you would recommend to uh, to the audience? I'm going to answer no because I'm not a big TV or movie goer. <laughs> I, I'm very much a uh, I'm a very much of a activity. I, uh, I, I any minute of time, and people that know me will see me doing something, whether it's doing sports or or. Uh, doing some woodworking or renovation or traveling. Um, the evenings for me are to rest a little bit and eventually go to bed and then we restart the next day. <laughs> so, so, so every time I have a reference, someone asks me movies and series, I can't participate in this conversation very much. <laughs> Actually, I do, I do enjoy a few shows. I, I do enjoy, uh, America's got talent. Uh, Oh, very nice. The voice just because it's, uh, it's refreshing. It's relaxing. It's not too yeah. intense. So <laughs> yeah, it's a little lighter. Yeah. Yeah. So, so your hobbies obviously include, you know, traveling, woodworking, various projects. Absolutely. Uh, I also enjoy, we, we have a cottage to go to and I enjoy being on the ski hill and, and on the lake in the summer and, uh, I cycle as well. So I restarted golfing, and I do some volunteer work. I uh, I've uh, been a volunteer for the Canadian Ski Patrol, and I've been ski patrolling for uh, over 20 years. But I also teach the first aid to the uh, new recruits. Oh, uh, very nice. I, I keep getting involved in in that area, and uh, with the book and a bit of you know kind of my stage of life, I've also uh, volunteering in the uh, in a few other organizations these days, I've linked to the book. Uh, I started uh, getting involved with some organization that are looking at advanced care planning. So there's an organization in Ottawa called Compassionate Ottawa, and there's a few others. And, and what I've discovered uh, through my book and, and my journey is the whole, where I think people zoom in a whole lot in the planning around the financial and estate side and the organization side, because it's more natural. It's been more talked about. Uh, and I see a, you know, a more natural course. I, I still think, well, I, it's not that I, I think I, I observe that the whole world of advanced care planning, the concept that I introduced in the book of healthcare directives is new to the world. There's a lot, a uh, lot more. And I, I know uh, that the me that part of the message in the book uh, is going to take a longer to be passed along, and and honestly, some people have to read the book again. They they don't always get the full substance of it. So I'm getting involved also uh, personally in, in volunteering and in, in organization of that nature and so on. Okay. And the last thing I'll mention, which is really not not linked to the book or, you know, personal hobbies, but, but an interest that links back to my career in, in technology and innovation. I, I'm, I'm paying a lot of attention to renewable energy, but more specifically uh, deployment of offshore wind. And I had been involved in other technology uh, in the ocean with respect to uh, 
what's called hydrokinetic uh, water movement where energy could be captured in the ocean. So, uh, and okay. I think that's very promising for the future. So, so a wide gamma of interest, and that's a little bit of my personality. I've always enjoyed variety and variety in life. Uh, they always say variety is the spice of life, and that pretty much applies to me. Okay, we're going to give a little bit of a shout out here. Maybe favorite restaurant or food to order at a restaurant. Oh, that's very easy. <laughs> My own dining room. <laughs> my wife is a wonderful cook <laughs> to the point <laughs> to the point that I it, it's it's when she started cooking that we had enjoy the restaurant because talk about good quality food I'm very fortunate <laughs> to have it in my own home and, and, and many restaurants will find it very hard to compete with my my own household so but if you need I'm to take sure your she'll wife be happy out. to hear this this podcast but anyway that's the case. but if you need to take your wife out though mark where do you where do you go <laughs> well you gotta laugh because sometimes do, do you cook the, the fanciest <laughs> restaurant but uh, we, we 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 travel we in the summer we uh the, the journey uh or the drive to our cottage is a little longer and Okay. We like to try out the food trucks and, and oh, very nice. find a food truck with some good fish and chips. We uh, yeah. will actually rank them and we found yeah, some. Yeah, very nice. So, okay. so kind of the food truck or even some of the pubs or the, the more casual restaurants where it's just yeah, relaxing yeah. On, on the go. Uh, yeah. Not that we we haven't enjoyed a few refined restaurants, but uh, that's probably you know where we zoom in more often than none. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. Anybody, uh, social media, switching gears here. Anybody you follow on social media, you recommend to anybody else listening? No, I'm not a big, I'm not a big social media person. Why? Well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, I, I, I do have, I do look at Facebook and some people say, oh, that's passe and so on. But I really enjoy uh, people and friends sometimes from the past. I like when people share their travel experience. Uh, okay. Where I feel that I'm, you know, I'm sharing the travel with them or learning of a of a new place. So I, I enjoy very much. So, but, um, I've recently started following, um, a few, uh, one of one, one of which is called aging analytics, a agency, and they're tracking okay. analytics in the aging. And there's a, there's another group that's tracking, um, uh, what they're calling the longevity, um, industry. So basically, uh, there's, there's, there's a, there's an upcoming trend, which is in line very much with what I was talking about, about living longer, and now they're calling it the longevity industry. So there's a few um, few websites and people that I'm following related to that. It's still early days, so I can't tell you much more than that, but it's got okay. it's captured my attention. Oh, very nice. Uh, any local businesses? Any local businesses you want to give a shout out to? Well... This one's easy again. Uh, I have to talk about my kid's business <laughs> that is local to, <laughs> to Manitic where I live in Ottawa. So I'm very proud of my, uh, my two elder son that started a business called Neighborscape that now is uh, actually two business, Neighborscape and Neighbor Build. And uh, okay. it's been going on for 16 and 17 years. And, uh, and I obviously, I'm proud of my own children. And yes, I'm going to praise them when there's an opportunity here and promote them but i'm particularly proud of their attention 
to customer satisfaction and quality work, especially in the areas of work they're in and landscaping and construction, where there's okay. a whole lot of horror stories. And I've seen um, my son, who my older son, really operates the business. And um, if I if there's an issue or whatever, they will go and fix it, and they won't question it. Uh, even though sometimes they will incur costs uh, and or losses on those jobs. Uh, but that's uh, that's the way they are. That's the value they bring to the business. And, and so that's kind of why I'm comfortable promoting it. And, and the other business I, I have to mention is a business called RideWrap, which is uh, my second son who has yeah. uh, co-founded a business in Whistler uh, that is providing protection for... Uh, bikes and it's a fairly new relatively new industry it's surprising how many players there are but it's a growing industry and uh, he's a true entrepreneur and the business is doing well so uh it's a business that i want to give a shout out to especially as in the all the various uh, market assessments and tests uh, they always end up in first or second position so that's uh, something to be proud of but also yeah. something to let people know uh when there's a good business and good product out there, then fortunately one of my sons is associated to that one. Yeah, and they and they wrap the bike, correct, uh, Mark? They they protect well, basically, the bike with a, with they, a coating they, or they provide a they provide the kit. So they provide a kit uh, where individuals can self wrap their bike, and it's it's okay. an easy to use kit. Uh, it's customized to your your bike model and brand. And fundamentally, it's an online business where, depending on your bike, you order your kit, uh, you will receive a kit in the mail, and you have the instructions of how to apply, uh, okay. basically, the film cover on each part of your bike to make sure that uh, after you've used your bike for a few years, uh, when you take the wrap, you could replace it, and it'll look new again, or if you want to sell it, it's like uh, being sold brand new, and uh, oh, very nice. One of the things I saw recently when I, uh, when I actually went to visit my son uh, a month or two ago, and um, certainly in, in on the West Coast, when people sell their bike, they now use the verb ride wrap from day one, which which is, uh, you know, kudos to the brand for getting yeah. to that level. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Especially, especially when they're selling it and they're using that to upsell it. When people hear the name Mark Seguin, what do you hope they will say? Oh, boy. I hope they actually don't say anything. <laughs> but I just basically, here's just a normal guy that enjoys life uh, and participate life fully and, will, and is passing on his wisdom, especially with respect to planning for the aging years uh, and wants to pass his wisdom on to to the rest of the world. Very well said. Very well said. Mark, this has been uh, an absolute pleasure. I, uh, I thank you for sharing your story with the audience. I wish you much success with, uh, with the book and, and book sales. And definitely if you have uh, a second book, you know, or a follow-up book, uh, you know, you've, you've definitely got a home here to, uh, to tell the, the audience about it. And uh, much, much success down the road. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for having me on this uh, wonderful interview. And I wish you and the rest of the world peace of mind in their aging years. And 
I'm going to say the concept of advocacy and aging, even though it's focused on more on the aging population, while we all age at different times in our life, then we never know when something could happen. So even though the probability is greater with an elderly population, uh, the concept eventually uh, will emerge and will be reapplied to even the younger population. So I wish all a uh, wonderful life and quality of life and have a good day. Yes, that's great. Thanks. Thanks very much, Mark. For those looking for additional information about our guest today, Mark Seguin and his book, Advocacy in Aging, you can find additional information about the book on the web at www.advocacyinaging.com. That's A-D-V-O-C-A-C-Y-I-N-A-G-I-N-G.com. For those looking to purchase the book, you can also do it at the website. For those looking to contact Mark and obtain additional information, you can reach him at info at advocacyinaging.com. That's info at advocacyinaging.com. And he's also reachable by phone at 613-875-6640. That's 613-875-6640. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen to this episode of the Ottawa Business Podcast. We truly hope you found something of value in the show that you can use in your business or personal life. Please remember to like and subscribe to the show. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite player. Thank you.